welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Monday edition of the show. Unfortunately, it is not a victory Monday as the Bucks lost 22-6. It is a roll call Monday, though, as we do we go. on every Monday show. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later, about 20 minutes from now. But uh, today we're going to try to focus on some of the bright spots from the Bucks' loss to the Lions. I know they were few and far between, but there are a couple of things that we could point to that says, hey, the Bucks are still going in the right direction somewhat. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is the face that runs the place at PeterReport.com, SR, Scott Reynolds. And Scott, um, you know, I think we compared the Lions a little bit in some degree to the Eagles in terms of a litmus test, yeah, building uh, against a better team. And going up against the Eagles on Monday night a couple of weeks ago, we came on the show the next day and yeah. felt a little bit better after having 24 hours or 18 hours, whatever right. it is now, um, <laughs> from that last game. How do we feel now, looking back, watching the game again, thinking it over, how do we feel now about the Buccaneers hours later from their defeat to the Lions? Well, I spent most of, of this uh, mid-morning, early afternoon going back and looking at the TV copy, the All-22. I don't have that yet, but but uh, you know there were some missed opportunities on offense, and I agree wholeheartedly with Baker Mayfield. I thought he sucked. He did. He admitted <laughs> it, and he really did. Um, you know, it just wasn't a great game from Baker, and and that's unfortunate because there were some opportunities there um, for him to to make some plays. I think I think based upon the the vantage point and the viewpoint that you can at least see from the TV copy, you go back and you look at that interception, the tip pass that Will Harris um, grabbed and and took the ball away. I don't know if it's a touchdown if if Mike Evans can run eighty yards for a touchdown, but yeah. it's a huge massive play, right? I don't know if he yeah. gets caught from behind, but it's it's a massive momentum changing, statistical changing play for the Bucks offense because he's wide open uh, by all intents and purposes from the copy that I've seen on TV. There was not another defender there. The, the Lions safety had come up, kind of bit on play action. Evans is is behind him, wide open. So, you know, I think initially you look at, at Dave Canales and say, not a great game, but we just found so many instances, whether it's it's the – the overthrows right to yeah. Trey Palmer. Those were two big plays where the job of the offensive coordinator is, is to, to get guys open, right. To scheme guys open and Baker's got to hit him. If he hits one or both of those, that that's we're talking touchdowns here, right. And yeah. touchdowns in, in a game that the bucks only scored two field goals against a very, very, very good lions defense. Okay, let's keep that in mind. The Lions are on top of the NFC right now with the Eagles, right? They're they're both five, five and one. And Matt, they lost to both of these teams. The Bucks are not at that level yet. But the thing to understand about the Lions is we saw strides from them last year, right? This was a nine and eight team that just missed the playoffs. So they were better than the Buccaneers last year. They just missed the playoffs by one game, and, and I think. That was year. Th this is year two of Ben Johnson's offense, right? With yes. Jared Goff. Goff's been in Detroit now for a couple of years, but this is year two with him as the play caller. This is year three of Aaron Glenn's 
defense. So what we're seeing is we're seeing continuity. We're seeing what, what the Buccaneers aspire to be. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe if this team stays together and grows and they add more pieces in the draft and free agency, the Buccaneers can take the next step next year. But we've set up a format. These fans have got to readjust their expectations. Can they beat the Lions? Yes, on any given Sunday. Matt, we saw your New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets take down the mighty Philadelphia Eagles. We saw a wounded 49ers team mm-hmm. go into Cleveland and get uh, – bitten by the dogs and the dog pound and lose to PJ Walker. Sound familiar? I, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, just saying, fine. I'm just saying like, like, yes, they could have beaten the lions yesterday, but they would have had to have played an almost perfect game with the talent and the roster they have right now. And, and they would have had to have had the lions probably, probably play a little bit less than perfect. The lions executed phenomenally on offense and defense. And the refs really helped them out with a bunch of non-holding calls and yeah. not blocking the back calls on those screens. But um, this is a Buccaneer team, Matt, that can and should beat the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, and win the division. Are they going to do any damage against the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Lions? Right now, I can't say they are. Yeah, and it hurts, And, and that's too. okay. That's okay yeah. because they're not there yet. Okay, exactly. I'm very curious. It, it almost hurts the Bucks that the Bills played so bad on Sunday Night Football, too. They ended up winning, yeah. but regardless of whether or not the Bills would have won when they defeated the right. the uh, the Giants, they're not going to be feeling good about how they played. So I yeah. think they're going to have that in mind when they do play the Bucks in two weeks. I'm actually yeah. very curious uh, what the pewter people think, so feel free to throw it in the comments. What is your realistic, legitimate expectations for the Bucks moving forward? Do you yeah. think that they're going to win the division, get into the wild card? If you want to throw in a record or, or whatever, that's totally fine, too. Right. And, and I think what didn't help the Bucs is, and I think you've seen it in the, the first couple games that the Bucs have won, the ball has bounced their way at times. Yeah. The Saints game, Baker throws an interception. Antoine Winfield Jr. forces the fumble right after. That's yep. the ball bouncing the right way that's for right. the Bucs. They almost had that against Detroit. Baker gets intercepted. Remember that third and goal play. Vita Vea forced a fumble, but the running back happened to jump right right back on it. The ball didn't go the way of the Bucs' favor in that sense, in that opportunity. And when you're playing a team such as the Lions, which is kind of crazy to think just when you look at the microcosm of the Detroit Lions as an organization, you need those bounces, and the Bucs didn't necessarily get it. And Dave Canales, if you want to give him a lot of blame for the run game, and I think he definitely should shoulder a lot of that blame, not all of it, but a lot of it, um, you do have to point out that, Scott, you were spot on. The guys were open. Mike Evans was wide open on that play that got tipped for an interception. Baker overthrew Trey Palmer, and that's going to come with the territory of Baker Mayfield. All the things you like about him, also smaller in stature, Yep. We saw it all during training camp. That's He's right. susceptible to getting the football tipped, and it just reared its ugly head in that situation. And I think that hurts on the deep ball at times, too, because that was something, again, in training camp, but I know that feels like light years ago. Yeah. But both Bucks quarterbacks, whether it was Kyle Trask, and we'll get to Zachary's yep. uh, super chat. We got a couple super chats. We'll get yep. to that in just a moment. Both quarterbacks struggled with the deep ball in training camp. And I right. think for Baker, part of it is because of his size, because he's smaller he sometimes has to yeah. gear up, especially with the defenders in his mm-hmm. face. He has to gear up and rifle that ball, and that's yeah. why you see the overthrows like we got with the uh, with the plays to Trey Palmer. And those little plays would right. change the magnitude of that game. But we got a super right. chat. 
Let's start off with Zachary Jarvis. Thanks, Zachary, for the 499 Super Chat, who says, why aren't we running more man-to-man defense? Isn't that the strength of our secondary? I keep seeing us play soft zones, and it kills us every time. Yeah, this has been one of the biggest criticisms of not just this season, but the Todd Bowles era as a defensive play caller. He fears allowing the big play, and he can kind of live with getting dinked and dunked all the way down the field. It doesn't help when you're down 14 and you punt it, and the Lions right. can just dink and dunk and kill yeah. you know six minutes off of the clock. Um, but what's annoying is that there's still communication issues, regardless of whether they're playing zone or man. And it's like, yeah. well, if you're still allowing a touchdown, what's it really matter what type of defense you play? Yeah, and I think the thing, too, is a lot of times when you, when you say man to man, I mean, a lot of times people are thinking – outside on on cornerbacks cornerbacks and receivers and and i think it, when the bucks are playing cover one or cover three you're essentially playing man defense there and and you don't have safety help over the top so it, it's tough when you sit there and say all right we'll go up and play press man coverage well if, if you get beat if you lose a step at the line of scrimmage all of a sudden you have no help over the top and it, it can be a huge play if your quarterback hits the um the receiver, right? I mean, Baker didn't hit his guy, Trey yeah. Palmer, but then we did see, uh, you know, Jamison Williams caught a perfect pass from from Jared Goff. And and Ryan Neal's right there. You can see Ryan Neal's yeah. hand in there. Like, he's got to make that play. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, it. The both these guys get paid. One of them's a first-round draft pick, and one of them's an undrafted free agent who's on his second team. And I, I'm not necessarily throwing shade at ryan neal but it's like if you want to get paid if you want the big payday you've got to make that play yeah you're right there to do it you've got to make that play and he didn't and jamison williams did and that was a big part of the difference in the game the lions made their plays when they were presented with them the buccaneers didn't and that's what good teams do they make the plays just like the buccaneers made these type of plays against new orleans right when they played Mm -hmm. the saints before the bye week in the saints didn't. So the saints fans are feeling just like the Buccaneer fans are feeling right now, a couple weeks ago after that loss to Tampa Bay. Right. And so, you know, sometimes you get a game Matt, where, where both teams are playing amazing football. Right. And, And that happens sometimes where both teams bring their a games and it just, comes down to the last possession right it's one play differential maybe it's a field goal maybe it's a fourth down stop whatever it is and that decides the game this this was a a game where the lions just made more plays than the bucks did and two weeks ago we saw the bucks make more plays than the saints did and so the story on sunday is going to be which team's going to make more plays the bucks or the falcons that's what it comes down to it's this is a playmaker league and you've you've got to put yourself in position to make plays and then you got to make them when those are when those opportunities are there. Will Harris jumped and caught that interception. There were two tip passes that Devin White dove for and missed yeah. on one. They were just out, you know, it was just too far out. And Levante David missed another one. So that's the way the ball bounces. You said in New Orleans, Antoine Winfield punches the ball out, recovers the fumble. The Bucks, you know, cash in on a touchdown. Sometimes that's the way the ball bounces. It didn't bounce the Bucks way yesterday and and they didn't create enough of their own action at the same time and you talk about playmakers I was actually quite surprised you know we talked about Zion McCollum a lot we've asked the coaches about yeah. oh should he uh you know is is he working his way onto the field just from how well he's played 
the coaches have said we got to find ways to get him onto the field. We've you even <laughs> um, offered up the idea of having a package with all three corners on the field. Diane McConnell played three percent of the snaps on defense. Three yeah. percent. I was yeah. actually very surprised by that, considering how the Lions were attacking the Bucks defensively, especially after gaining that lead. It almost felt like if you had a playmaker like Zion on there yeah. with that speed, especially going up against Amon Ross St. Brown, right. would have been nice to deploy him, but the Bucks did not go in that yeah. direction. And I, I think really where the Bucks struggled the, the most was was in the middle of the field in, in the zones there rather than outside. I thought Jamel Dean yeah. had a bounce back game, didn't play great, but didn't play as poorly as he had at the beginning of the season. But it just Jared Goff, man, he gets rid of the ball so quickly. Yeah. Uh, the Buccaneers ended up doing what they wanted to do. They took away the Lions running game. They knocked David Montgomery out of the game and the Lions just didn't run it. And Jared Goff said, that's fine. I'll throw receiver screens and I'll, and I'll just, you know, throw quick underneath passes and pick up five yards. And that's just kind of how they did it. And, and uh, as great as Levante David played and as, as well as Devin White may have played, they didn't get enough pass breakups on some yeah. of those. Uh, it was just a little bit too much of, of a, of a cushion, but at the same time, they're giving up five yards and Jared Goff was just taking it. So Goff was taking what the Bucks defense was offering up and he just was, was dealing and, and he, he made it work. And when you have, uh, you know, when you've got um, referees that, that are not going to call, yeah, um, you know, offensive holding, I mean, like this is holding. Right, you're allowed to. <laughs> he's hugging him. He's hugging it. Yes, he's tackling Kalaja Kansi. Yeah. You can see Jared Goff right there, and you can see Kalaja Kansi wants to sack Jared Goff, but he can't. He's literally being held. So there were a ton of instances like that. It was one of those games. I'm sure Lions fans will point out that the fact that that maybe Aiden Hutchinson, who had a very very quiet game, another really strong game from Luke Gedicke, by the way. Yeah, but they probably are chirping about not getting some holding calls as well. I think that was one of the games where the refs kind of swallowed the whistle, uh, unless it's Mike Evans' offensive pass interference, which, <laughs> you know, Mike, you, you can't extend the arms and push the guy to the ground. They are going to call that if it's that obvious. But Yeah, uh, but, one last thing I'll say yeah. about um, just Jared Goff real quick. Jared, Jared Goff is has been Geno Smith before the Geno Smith story. Like, remember, That's he right. got traded from yes. L.A., and everyone's like, wow, what a big upgrade for the Rams. And it paid off for them. They won the Super yeah. Bowl. But – uh like, everyone thought the Lions are going to be done. Jared Goff's career was done, and he's been great the last two seasons, but Gino got a lot of the attention. But anyway, um, KGH for life, thank you for the $5 Super Chat, says, in Todd Bowles' pursuit to disguise coverages, it seems more confusion occurs on defense. There is a pattern of this. There are definitely points in the season. Obviously, the most glaring was against Matthew Stafford and the Rams that uh, yeah. you know allowed the, the Rams to win that game uh, late after the Bucs had tied it up in the divisional round. Um, yeah, I mean, there are certainly points during the season that you can look at. The, the Jordan Addison touchdown in week one against the Vikings was yeah. a similar situation. With all of that said, I think most Bucks fans would sign up for how this defense has played and how the entire defense yeah. has played again in the era of Todd Bowles. So yeah. if that's the risk that you run from time to time, I think you can live with it. It just sucks in the moment when those types of plays happen. Miscommunication happens with every single team. It happened to the Lions yeah. when Mike Evans was wide open, but the, again, yeah. the ball bounced their way with getting the tip. It'll happen from time to time. Yeah. I would still take Todd Bowles and the defense he runs over a majority of the NFL. Yeah. 
Mark Fisher here, he always uh, gives us some some donations. We appreciate this uh, in lieu of a super chat. Hey, guys, D only gave up 20 points to a Lions team that was scoring 30. That's good, no? Even Neil hit the ball on the touchdown a la Winfield. Um, yeah, I mean, I went back and looked. I was more critical of the defense last night because I'm a little bit more defensive-minded. I hate seeing 56% completion percentage. I hate seeing touchdowns on third and 10 and third and 13 situations. The defense actually played better than I initially thought after watching the film, and I'm going to get into that when I have a little rant here in two minutes during the uh, uh, the roll call today at 4:20. But yeah, uh, again, holding holding a team 10 points under the scoring average, and th- again, we're talking about an elite team here, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Buccaneers they've given up what's their highest point total? 25 points to the Eagles, Matt. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, I mean, Ty Bowles' defense is doing its job, and there, there are some some bright spots really emerging there, and I'll talk about that in, in a minute. But, yeah, I, I, I do think that that the defense played well enough to win. You, this is a touchdown league. you got to score touchdowns, no doubt about it. And Buccaneer fans, wow. I mean, Matt, you were there for that Monday night game. 60% Eagle fans, right? Yeah. Pro- probably 50 mm-hmm. to 60%. Yeah. At Raymond James Stadium. It was easily 40, 45% Lions fans. That whole lower bowl on the west side of the stadium was just a lot of blue. Blue. Yeah. Honolulu was, blues. What Honolulu blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate the the super chat there, Kyle. And yeah, it's yeah. I see a lot of people getting angry at it. I, I don't really know what the what the answer is. The the reality is that the state of Florida in general. Yeah. You have a lot of people that have moved here from other Transient places and they, yeah. and they bring their fandom with it. Yeah. It kind of sucks, but I don't know. I don't really know what the answer is to it. I mean, yeah. if you start your families here and then your children become fans of the Bucs, I guess that's one way. But even your yeah. son's not a Bucs fan. So. No, because there was there was 11 <laughs> years where, where the team was horrible. Yeah. Right? So And that's happened twice now, Matt. It happened before Tony Dungy got there, right? Yeah. And then it, and then it's happened for the Raheem Morris, Greg Schiano, Dirk Cutter years that, that we're talking two decades, right? Yeah. Of kids being born. And then at 10 years old, they have their team, right? They've played mm-hmm. mad enough. They've got their team by age 10. So when the Buccaneers finally get good again, once every decade, then, then it's too late because. Yeah. They just have Logan's to be a sustainable winner because if you keep winning, yeah. people get on the bandwagon, like the casual fans, you know, the diehards exactly. will always be there, but it's yeah. all about getting the casuals into, uh, the building but you're right one thing is not casual is the participation of our pewter people when it comes to every monday at 420 or 421 in this case and that is roll call baby that's right we love the pewter people we love our fans uh and this is just a fun way when we do roll call each monday it's a great way to just get more involved with the uh the pewter people and um and interact with everybody. So what we do, if you're new to the show, thank you for watching for the first time. If you're new to the show, what we do every Monday at 420, we do this thing called Roll Call, where one of us goes on a, uh, a diatribe on a specific Bucks topic that we want to yep. get into. And while one of us is speaking about that, Scott said he had something to talk about today. So while Scott is talking about um, whatever's on his mind about the Buccaneers, I will be in the comments if you guys want to start putting – the location of where you guys are watching from, you know, whether it's Tampa, whether it's, I don't know, Idaho, wherever it could be. Um, let us know the location where you are watching from, and we will make sure that we put it on the screen. 
and just get an idea of where all of our awesome fans are watching from, starting off with Gary, who is watching in Sarasota. Just yeah. Away. You know, this, uh, this, this defensive front, I think, is starting to come together now. I went back and, and I watched the film. Shaq Barrett played hard. JTS, I thought, had a, a better game when I went back and watched the film than I initially saw. And it's tough, right? You have one set of eyes. You're trying to watch the ball, right? Because you have to report on a game. And then you're also trying to, you know, split time between 11 guys. What's Ryan Neal doing? What's JTS doing? What's How's Kalijah Kansi doing, right? Uh, how's Jamel Dean doing in his return to action, right? So it, it's tough on a play-by-play basis when you're watching a game live to really assess the performance. But Kalijah Kansi had a hell of a game. He really did. Logan Hall, I thought, really played well. This might have been his best complete game. Joe Tryon, Shawinka, uh, there's some signs of life here, folks. And Vita Vea was, was a, a game wrecker. Uh, we didn't see it as much in terms of the pass rush, but in shutting down the run, he did a very credible job. Let's not forget Frank Ragnow is a pretty damn good center as well, former first-round pick himself. So the thing I like about this, this unit, though, is starting to come together. You have to remember, Logan Hall was drafted as a project. He's now closer to being a 300-pounder. He played at 265 pounds just two years ago at Houston. Okay, so he's he's got a different body he's playing in now, and it, it, it takes some getting used to. He was not a starter last year. He is now. Joe Tryon-Shawinka did not play football at all in 2020. He basically played one year at Washington, 2019. Then COVID hit. The Pac-12 only played four games. Joe Tryon-Shawinka didn't play any. He, like a lot of college football players that year, opted out and went for the draft. Then he was a situational type player as a rookie. Remember, that was the year that Jason Pierre-Paul got hurt. And so uh, he couldn't go inside and, and nickel rush the way that he was so effective in doing so. So that role fell on to Joe Tryon Shoinka. We saw him as the nickel rusher inside a lot. So here you're drafting a 21-year-old kid who really played one year in college, who needs to become more of an NFL caliber pass rusher slash edge rusher and he spent i want to say probably a third to a half of his snaps as a rookie inside playing in in uh in nickel rush situations so he didn't get the the reps that he needed to really grow and flourish as an edge rusher i'm not making excuses this is this is all fact another fact is he's on his third outside linebackers coach that can be a good thing and a bad thing a good thing that he can add more tools and grab some more wisdom from each coach he's listened to. A bad thing is maybe each coach wants him to do something a little bit differently. But my point is we're seeing some signs of life from Logan Hall. We're seeing some signs of life for Joe Tryon Shawinka. Uh, Matt and Peter People, as Kalijah Kansi told me in the locker room last night, the, the thing about uh, Kalijah Kansi's first game, and I, I'm not going to say that those 11 snaps in Minnesota in week one was really even his first action. That was just a, yeah. a, a blip. It was a blur. <laughs> he said, this is my preseason, right? He missed all of training camp. He missed all of the preseason. He missed the entire first month of his regular season. So these next four games, you talk about on-the-job training. You talk about the learning curve. It's steep for Kalijah Kansi. And I thought that he really aced his, his first exam. Um, I, I wouldn't say he got an A, but I would say he got an A for effort. Yeah. And the production was there. The disruption was there. 
again, I, I don't know what Pro Football Focus saw in giving him and Levante David such poor grades. I take PFF with a grain of salt. Yeah. You felt Kalijah Kansi's presence. You felt mm-hmm. Levante David's presence in that game. And right now, I'm telling you, Kalijah Kansi is, is probably not the project that Logan Hall and Joe Trine Shawinka are. I think this kid is closer to being a finished product than most people realize. He was a first rounder, after all, a mid first rounder, and that makes a difference. But the thing about, about Kalijah Kansi is, this guy, he's the best is yet to come. He is still learning. He is behind the eight ball, and we're going to have to wait and see how this guy develops. But I thought he had a really, really strong performance yesterday. Yeah, Todd Bowles today. I asked him what he thought of Todd uh, of Todd Bowles' performance. Uh, what he thought of Kalijah Kansi's performance, and he described Kalijah Kansi's performance as disruptive, which I yeah. thought was a uh, was a good word to use. I mean, this was his first game where he played into the second half and he recorded a sack in his first game i mean he was absolutely everywhere which for bucks fans you got to be really happy about that uh real quick again another awesome turnout from all the pewter people in uh in roll call today so what i want to start doing for each monday is just give a quick shout out to a couple of people based on the location i want to do one from the state of florida one from the United States, and then one internationally as well, because we got people cool. from all over. So I don't want to just identify one person, and uh, you know. But we'll do this each week, so feel free to keep putting your locations. Awesome. Don't lie about the locations either. I'm on to some of you when you're saying all these random spots. But uh, shout out to Kells808, watch from Hawaii. That is so cool to see. Nice. I was up late watching that Hawaii college football game on Saturday. Um, Bill Vincent watching from Gulf Breeze, Florida, and uh, Enoch Noel watching from. Thomas Virgin Island. So again, nice. shout out to all the pewter people watching from far and wide, uh, yeah. watching the Peter Report podcast, which of course, Peter Report podcast is brought to you by Celsius, the official sponsor of pewterreport.com. In the Peter Game Day show, we had another great turnout for that game yesterday, despite the way how uh, the Bucks played in it. Celsius is fantastic. Check out all their flavors. The newest one is the Cosmic Vibe, but you can't go wrong. With any of them out there, whether it's the Oasis vibe, the Arctic vibe, sparkling lemon lime, strawberry uh, strawberry lemonade is one of my favorites. The watermelon, the uh, strawberry acai is great as well. There's no sugar, no crash or jitters that you might get with another energy drink out there. So um, if you want to know where to find Celsius energy drinks, go to the store locator, punch in your address, and they'll tell you the closest geographical location where you could pick one up. It could be your local Walmart. It could be your local Target or your 7-Eleven. Maybe you'll see Justin Chase there or uh, Jamar Chase there. Um, it could be a health and fitness store. Or, if you're lucky enough, it might just be your bodega. Bodega. And once you keep going to your bodega and you're like, I love you, bodega, and I love Celsius, but I need more. I can't just deal with one or two cans. That's when you start buying it in bulk. Go to Amazon. Click on the subscribe and save. I would recommend getting the variety pack because there's so many great flavors. You see it on the screen right there. And variety is the spice of life. So go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save. You can set it up to get it sent to your residence whenever you want. It could be a week, quarterly, monthly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Make Celsius your number one pick. All right, we have a uh, a lot more super chats to get to, yeah, we do. Scott. So let's uh, let's rock and roll with the super chats. Starting off with Zachary Jarvis again. Thank you very much, Zachary. 
with the 999 Super Chat who says, I like Dave Candles. I think you mean Canals. I like <laughs> yeah. Dave Canales a lot, but I'm kind of worried that he wants to be, quote, stubborn running the ball. It doesn't work at all. Hopefully it gets better throughout the season. So well, I, I think – yeah, go I, ahead. I don't think he was stubborn running the ball yesterday. I think they had 17 rushes. I, I don't think yeah. that he really forced the issue maybe the way he did against, say, the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think that they tried some different things. They tried some some screens. I mean, here's a prime example, folks. And you know, I don't have these video clips handy, but you can go back and watch. There was you know, there's there's a, a, a quick little play where Baker Mayfield uh you know, throws a, a quick wide receiver screen out to, to Devin Tompkins, right? And Rakeem Jarrett completely misses the block. He waits on it, and yeah, and, and then DT gets tackled for a one or two yard loss. If if Rakeem Jarrett had stalk blocked and attacked, and I'll tell you what, the Lions, man, their screen game is on point. Their screen yeah. game is tight. Those little Lions wide receivers and tight ends, they will attack. They don't wait. They don't sit there and do stalk blocks. They go out there and just absolutely maul and push and sometimes block in the back but but they're a very good screen team i think tampa bay you know that's an instance where if if dt catches the ball and he has a clean alley he can hit the sidelines run out of bounds get 10 to 12 yards instead it's a two-yard loss right and that's that's mm -hmm. a huge thing instead of moving the chains it's now second and 12 matt i mean it's little yeah. things like that mm -hmm. that that are you know that are holding this offense back and and sometimes, you know, we, we look at it and say, well, the offensive line needs to do this. Sometimes it's the tight ends, Matt, in the running game that, that, that uh, you know, that, that, that don't do their job. I sent a clip in the group chat about Rashad White. Yeah. Right, where oh. there, was a, there was a massive hole to the Gigantic. right. Gigantic. And then the, the left side, completely to the sidelines, is, com is blocked. You know, Filer, Tristan Wirfs, so and then Kate Otten and, and Mike Evans were out there. Boom, boom, boom. There is an alleyway to the sidelines. Down the left, there's a massive hole to the right. What does Rashad White do? Goes right into the middle of, of the, the offensive line for yeah. a one-yard gain. And yeah. the way that Rashad was facing, too, he like looked and he saw the, the open hole, yeah. too, and he just didn't run to it. I, sometimes by design, like you're all the way to one side. You can't yeah. turn your head 180 and, and right. look the other way. But he had the vision to at least know, identify that the, the hole was open, and he just – didn't go to it. Yeah, I, I think this was more just about the um, the execution of the runs up the right. middle. I don't think they overdid it with running the football by any means. And it's so yeah. funny that you mentioned the screens because as I was pulling up to the Bucks facility today, as I'm pulling into the parking spot, I had in my head, I was thinking, you know, it's so funny. Last season, we kept talking about how the Bucks screen too much and they just kept throwing yeah. to the Chris Godwin with, with nothing. And now it's like, Wow, the Bucks don't screen at all, or they do it so much less than right. like even now we want them to screen more. Just screen it the right way. Be yeah. deliberate with it. Doesn't have to be a thousand times, but uh, yeah, they well, kind the, of like just abandoned the screen game entirely. Yeah, and, and there, there was a beautifully set up screen, very similar to the Lions concept, right? Where we saw like Amon Ross St. Brown, um, you know, pick up a, a huge um, gain on on a screen pass on third down. The Bucks were set up to do the exact same thing. Actually, had it blocked well and everything. It's just that I want to say it was it was Aquara, uh, the the edge rusher, got his yeah. hand up and, and knocked the pass down. I mean, if that's completed, I mean that's probably a huge gain. I want to say it was to Trey Palmer or Devin yeah. Tompkins. One of those two guys would have had at least a first down, um, and instead it, that wasn't the case. 
Matt Bucks fan, $5 super chat. Thank you. I feel like our best pass rushers are Winfield and Vea. Where's their outside linebackers? Joe Tryon-Shawinka technically had a sack, and he earned it. He beat his uh, his guy, Taylor Decker, with an inside move and, and then pursued Jared Goff, took the right angle, Matt, took he the did. right angle, <laughs> and, and forced Goff out of bounds for um, probably a, a happy yard loss. Still counts as a sack. Start to finish, it was a great rush by JTS. He had a couple of other good ones. Uh, there was an amazing stunt between Logan Hall and JTS, and Joe Tryon-Shawinka came right inside and had Jared Goff dead to rights, dead to rights and just overran him. And, yep. and Goff saw him and just sidestepped him, and sometimes you come in too fast and you can't slam the brakes on. Joe should have had at least two sacks in the game. I I think we're starting to see some signs of life. We need to see it on a more consistent basis. Sometimes it's not about the sacks. Sometimes it's about the pressures. Uh, I think Elijah Cansey, Matt, you and I have said it before, he is going to create opportunities with immediate pressure to where it's going to flush some of these quarterbacks left or right, and you're going to see some cleanup sacks yes. from JTS and from Shaq or Yaya Diaby and, and Anthony Nelson. And Todd Bowles said um, of the outside linebackers, he said this is probably Joe Tryon-Shanka's most complete game yeah. of the season because I thought he re- did a really, really good job in terms of stopping the run. And he, he also he uh, had a lot of praise. You had mentioned Shaq Barrett before. Todd Bowles did say that uh, he thought Shaq played really well and thought Shaq played hard, he especially did. given the uh, you know the illness that he was dealing with during the week. So yeah, I, I understand the frustration of Bucks fans. It. You know, you see guys like TJ Watt and and players such of that caliber yeah. dominating games, and the Bucks haven't had that from their outside linebackers by any means. But right. you know, could be could be coming. Uh, Mason DeBoard, thank you very much for the ten dollars super chat. Says punt on fourth and two was too conservative. Defense is playing better than the offense for sure, but I would have liked to see some stones when we're down two scores. Mason, I'm yep. in full agreement. I, I get the, the trust in your defense, but you can't win if you don't have the ball in your hands. And yeah. especially later on in the game, the Bucks weren't getting those three and out stops that, uh, you know, the defense has gotten before in, in yeah. other games, especially against a really good team like the Lions. You can't give them more possessions because odds are they they're going to hurt you. And that's exactly what Detroit did. They didn't get yeah. points on that drive, but they essentially closed the game out. because The Bucks didn't really get the ball until three yeah. minutes left and, when you have the ball with three minutes remaining, down 14, and you haven't even scored a touchdown yet in the yeah. game, I might add, uh, you were really asking a lot from not just your defense, but for your offense, too, to score with even less time. I think if Todd Bowles had maybe seven, eight minutes left on, on the clock rather than over 10, he might have gone for it. I, I think in his mind, he's he's hoping, all right, we punt the ball, Jake pins him back. We go three and out. We get the ball back with about nine minutes left, right? Maybe yeah. at our own 30, 40 yard line. And then we get a touchdown, stop him on defense. It's a one score game, get the ball back and win. <clears throat> in theory, I understand it. If there was less time on the clock, I think Bowles would have been more inclined to, to go for it. But he trusted the side of the ball that was playing better at the time, which was his defense. And it just didn't work, right? I mean, Jared Goff didn't even have a running game at that point in time. He just dinked and dunked, and they just picked up third downs, and and, and away they went. Is that one of the – just curious to get your opinion. Is yeah. that one of the detractors of having a 
defensive coach as a head coach. Yes. <laughs> because if you have an offensive coach, they're probably like, screw it. I trust my offense. We're, we're yeah. going to score. And yeah, yeah so that's one of the downfalls of having a defensive coach. It, it is because you, you have a little bit too much confidence in your side of the ball. And, you know, it, it, trust and confidence, they're, they're a good thing. But sometimes overconfidence it can be a bad thing. And, yeah. and you know, the, his his defense didn't get that three and out or the takeaway to to really pay dividends for the head coach's call for sure. Yeah. Uh, Gino Sisson with a $2 super chat. Thank you. Gino says, when is running back chase Edmonds projected to return? I believe he has one more week and then he will come off the short term IR and they need him Matt. they definitely do need him. him. I think he provides the biggest spark as a running back right now. And it's been very limited, but I still have that run that he had in the bears game in my head because it was one of their best runs of the season. It was only for like 12 or 15 yards, but that's obviously a big indicator of how much this run game has struggled (laughs) this season. And uh, we do have video of it, so I I can play, but there were a lot of questions geared towards the running game today. And why is Keyshawn Vaughn getting not just one less snap than Rashad white, but uh, in terms of rushing attempts, but why is, why is he getting the carries over Sean Tucker, who was such a, a bright spot, in the preseason, not to mention he played for Syracuse. He probably would have been pumped to play in, in orange. Uh, yeah, well, I right. mean, he did dress, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of the, questions. They're the orange men after all, right? Exactly. So uh, a lot of questions about the run game. So let's get to it. Todd Bowles answered a ton of things. Why the team is struggling. Are they going to look at someone else? Everything with Keyshawn Vaughn and, and Sean Tucker, a little bit about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin too, if they need to get involved more, but uh, here's Todd Bowles from today discussing the Bucks' porous run game. Why is uh, Keyshawn Vaughn getting more uh, rushing attempts and carries than Sean Tucker? Yeah, a good week of practice. He had a good couple weeks. Uh, Sean got a couple plays in the game. We want to see Keyshawn more. He's taking advantage of his opportunities. So it'll probably flip-flop like that in the entire season. We'll see. Well, we're not getting it done. Sometimes it's a technique thing. Sometimes we miss a block here and there. So as a group, we got to do a better job. Can, can you get by with those two as your backup running backs or at least until, until Edmonds comes back? I don't think it's their fault that we're in the bottom of the NFL as far as rushing. I mean, it's a group thing. We got to run the ball better. We got to block it better. We got to rush it better. Games in. Um, but 18 points a game is not going to win many games in this league. No, it's not. And we'll get better at it. I mean, like you said, it's five games in and we had a clunker yesterday. No doubt about that. We want to score touchdowns in this league. We didn't score touchdowns, and we'll get better at it. We'll work at it, and we'll get better. Do you feel like you're running the offense? Like, uh, I would, a layman, you'd say Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are your two best players, but I, I'm not sure that all the targets are going to them. I know defense has something to do with that. Just, are, are you featuring the right guys in terms of, like, you know, where the balls needs, plays need to be designed for these guys? Well, it's easier said than done. You want to feature the right guys, but you also want to include everybody as well. I think we can expand on that, and we will. Yeah. Become more of a focal point if you can't run it very well or you're last in the league again. Should you do it a different way? Well, you don't want to hit your head up against a brick wall. Obviously, if they're stacking the box and they give you the pass play every time you want to take the pass play, and I think we've been doing a good job at that. <clears throat> you can do a better job at it as far as that opening up the run game and us spreading them out a little bit more. And we're going to work on that this week. 
there's there's something I have to disagree with Todd Foles, uh, going back to Keyshawn Vaughn and Sean Tucker. He said Yeah, I agree. Keyshawn is taking advantage of his of his opportunities. I mean, he's had fifteen not. rushes for twenty five yards. Yeah. That's whatever that comes out to, one point whatever yards yeah. per attempt. One point seven. Yeah. Which is technically more than Sean Tucker's one point five, Matt. So maybe yeah. maybe Todd Bowles is looking at analytics well not really analytics, but just <laughs> statistics and saying yeah. well i'm gonna go with the guy that gives me 1.7 yards as opposed to 1.5 uh, listen i wrote about this in in the bucks mailbag today I had some really good questions really good questions in the bucks mailbag make sure you check that out on peterreport.com uh, I, I i don't see a starting running back on this team Matt. i don't see a a guy that's really capable of being rb1 i think rashad white at this stage of his career is is a good complimentary back I think if this team cuts Keyshawn Vaughn tomorrow, he is not even signed. I, I just I don't think yeah. that, that he's signed by anybody. I don't think anybody would, would want him. So why is he getting the number two carries here behind Rashad White? It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Javante Williams might be might be a fire sale going on in Denver. Rashad Penny is buried on the Eagles depth chart. Both of those guys would come super cheap. Uh, Dalvin Cook is is not attainable because he. No. He would make more money than the Bucks have cap room right now. They're out of cap room for the year. So, but Javante Williams in Denver, if there's a fire sale there, if Sean Payton wants a plethora of draft picks to hit the restart button next year, they've got a stable of backs there. He's not beholden to, to Williams. He didn't draft him. I love the kid coming out of North Carolina a couple of years ago. He had Michael Carter, who went to the Jets. It was yeah. an interesting one-two punch for the Tar Heels. Uh, and Rashad Penny, I loved him coming out of San Diego State. He's largely underwhelmed, but... In the two years he was healthy with Seattle, he averaged over six yards a carry. He knows the offense. He was in it for five years. He struggled with injuries. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds missed time in the offseason, Matt, during the OTAs. He missed time in the preseason. Yeah, he gets injured injury. a lot. There's Yeah. So yeah. you need another running back because I, I don't know that Sean Tucker is the answer, and I certainly know that Keyshawn Vaughn isn't the answer. I wouldn't mind seeing Jason Light make uh, a day three trade um, with a, a pick and, and get a guy like Penny or, or Williams to challenge Rashad White and come in and, and and learn this offense. And speaking of the running game, we get a $5 super chat yeah. from Ward Burns. Yeah, uh, and get to Ward in one second. I'll just say the only problem is they might not even make a move until three weeks from now because if they don't make a move this Sunday, then you play on Thursday, you're not really going to bring in a guy right. and, and add them to the offense that quickly. So yeah. anyway, uh, Ward, thank you for the $5 super chat. Who says, if we start a game in shotgun, spread out pass heavy, two minute offense successfully, it will open up the run like your local bodega at 5 a.m. So I was talking with Josh Capo on the Peter game day show yesterday. Yeah. And Josh is a huge, huge advocate of throwing to set up the run. Me too. And Me I think, too. It, first of all, I agree with that. But I think it's even more important from what we've seen from the Bucks run game. Yeah, you have to mix it up one way or another. And I right. think by you know so many of those run games or run plays, the Bucks were set up with second and eight, second and nine, right. second and twelve. You know, so the, what's the harm? And obviously, you don't want to get into third down every single time. But right. how many times did the Bucks have second and five, second and four, yeah. anything like that? You know what helps that out? Play action, which That's I right. think the Bucks have always been pretty efficient in uh, in executing yeah. play action and matt to your point you're exactly right we saw them in new orleans come out throwing the ball to set up the run yeah the run was was more of like an organically grown 
uh, part of their offense in in New Orleans. And as a result, they had 114 yards on the ground. So it's like, you know, you don't have to to force feed the run game to to have it, you know, appear. It's not going to magically appear. Uh, right, right now, I think everybody agrees. The offensive line is way far ahead in terms of pass protection. I mean, and who would have thought? Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson was was invisible largely yesterday, yeah. right? I mean, th- they didn't really get to Baker Mayfield that much at all. They had to, to to blitz him with with linebacker and and Nichols to even get pressure on Baker. But yeah, play to your strength, right? I mean, pass protect, throw the ball. But Baker's got a hit, and Baker had an off day yesterday. He sucked, he as he said it, and it's true. Yeah, I mean, again, we're singing a different tune if Baker yeah. hits one out of those three yeah. big plays that we talked about. If, if you took the Baker from the Saints game and put him in yesterday's game, th- they stand a very good chance of beating the Lions, right? Yeah. They just do, but that wasn't the case. Lucas Petis, thank you for the four ninety nine Super Chat, asks, uh, I asked this yesterday, but how long will it take them to start D. Delaney over Ryan Neal? Yeah, if Ryan Neal's um, persona non grata amongst yeah. performance. Todd Bowles did say today that the first touchdown, a lot of people made mistakes. wasn't just Ryan Neal, yeah. but Todd Bowles is always privy to uh, take care of his guys and not throw them yeah. on the bus. The second one, simply, you said it before, just get your head around, man. I mean, this yeah. is what they teach to high school kids. Just get yeah. your head around, and that's a that's a PBU. I mean, his his hand was touching his the hands ball. right there, and yeah. not even. Uh, without even looking up. So imagine if he did yeah. actually get to see it first. So Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you got to have eyes on the ball. The, the receiver will tell you, I mean, this is, goes back to Pop Warner. I was teaching my, my little kids this. I mean, the receiver will tell you when when the ball is coming, right? It's yes. like if you're in the trail position, all of a sudden you see the, the eyes get big and you see the hands come up, the, the ball's right there. Turn around and make a play, right? That, mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. He was in position to. And it's like, are you going to be a playmaker or just a guy? You're one or the other. You're either a jag or you're a playmaker. And we've seen Ryan Neal, unfortunately, be a jag too many times. And Dee Delaney, for his faults, right? I mean, he's an undrafted free agent too, just like Ryan Neal. But Delaney's got a little something. I don't know if he's got like a little Keith Tandy to him, right? He makes enough splash plays yeah. to get you interested. You probably don't want him in your starting lineup. But when, when he's in there, and Matt, Ryan Neal was out for the entire New Orleans Saints game. He got hurt in the first series. He was. D. Delaney played really, really credible. Not incredible, but credible ball. And and why not? This guy can play free safety, strong safety, nickel corner, outside corner in a pinch. I want to see more D. Delaney. This is the guy that's buried in the depth chart that is tied for for your interception lead with two. Get him yeah. out there. Let, let him, let's see what he can do. And we've said this before, but Todd Bowles loves versatility. And I, I think there's an argument that Dee Delaney gives you a little more versatility than uh, what Ryan Neal has brought so yeah. far. A uh, Bucks Basement. Super Chats here. Yeah. Yeah. Bucks Basement. Thanks for the $2 Super Chat. Bucks should ask Pats about Ramondre Stevenson. Patriots are one of those teams that very much could be in a uh, in a fire sale mode. I mean, they've yeah. looked terrible the last three weeks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely something to consider. Cali Bucks, thanks for the $1.99 super chat. And the Bucks have made a lot of trades with the Patriots, uh, yeah, mostly sure. over Gronk. But anyway, uh, Cali Bucks says, number one has meaning. White never deserved the number. It's the jersey number, right? Yeah. Rashad White's number one. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's jersey number. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I mean, you know. doesn't Turpin wear one for the Cowboys or is he yeah. number nine? I, I think, can't remember. 
I think Avanti Turpin might be number one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And he's a specialty guy. So, yeah. Uh, Bucks Basement, again, thank you for the $5 super chat. Says fans in the stadium were pissed at Bowles, not just the punt on fourth and two, but also not calling timeout after David's sack in the second quarter. Yeah. Bowles uh, hasn't really won over the fan base. I don't know if that's necessarily his <laughs> fault or people are just going to yeah. have an opinion about Todd Bowles to begin with. I think the other thing, too, is, is, uh, the Lions were were somewhere around midfield. I think they were back in the other side of of their territory after the Levante David sack. But I think Bowles was like, "All right, I'm happy to get out of here with with the game being close. It seems like the Lions are running the, the clock out. They're not going to run their play. Um, I, I don't think that Bowles wanted to tempt fate and give Jared Goff another chance to." Uh, hit Amon Ross St. Brown for yeah. a 15, 17 yard gain. Then all of a sudden you try 52, 55 yard field goal. And then the Lions have some momentum at halftime. So I, I can't fault Bulls for that one. The fourth and two, different story, but that one was different. Sean with the 499 Super Chat says, I think Payne Durham looked pretty good in his abbreviated appearance. What say you? Love the show. Thank you, Sean. Um, yeah, thank the, you. If, if you want to buy into pro football focus grades, yeah. <laughs> which sometimes we do, I think he was only out there seven plays. And yeah, he, he, he played six plays, so 11% yeah. of the offense. He made a catch in the first quarter. Yeah. I don't know how much of an impact you can totally yeah. have. With he had the highest grade on offense. He, he had like yeah. a 90 grade, but it's small sample size. But you know what? Uh, maybe better than David Wells. David maybe Wells has been a huge you know? negative for the team. Yeah. I, I was telling Josh Capo, because I was writing a story recently where I was identifying that, you know, the Bucks offense, like passing yards, it's it's Mike and Chris way above. And then right. K-Dot was third on the team, not even at 100 yeah. receiving yards. And they have 10 less because uh, because David Wells had <laughs> negative 10 receiving yards. He also had a fumble. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, as long as Payne Durham doesn't do that, he could be yeah. dressing every single week. Scott Jacks, thank you for the 499 Super Chat. Says uh, with October 31st, that's Halloween on the horizon, we Bucks need to start thinking of trades and moves to make us better. Running back, center, safety. Where do we go from here? I think maybe the most logical move might be running back, but yeah, I, I don't know that Jason Light's going to want to part ways with with draft picks. Uh, he feels like he's got a hot hand in the draft on some of those day two picks, and I'm sorry, day three picks. I mean, Jake Camarda. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting a Pro Bowl caliber punter with a fourth round pick. That's that's pretty damn good. Um, I think there's some upside that you like about guys like Servassier Dennis and, and Payne Durham that we really haven't seen yet just because they're so stinking new. Josh Hayes looks like a, a pretty damn good gunner. Uh, we'll see if he develops into anything on defense later in his career or if he's just like a, a Ryan Smith special teams gunner specialty yeah. guy. Zion McCollum, Matt, you mentioned it earlier. He's played really, really well. I mean, that, that's a day three steal. So as, as tempting as it is to part ways to get some immediate help now, maybe for the backfield, it's going to be tough for Jason Light to, to part ways with some draft picks. But, Matt, as you mentioned, and you're right, these next couple games, right, big Falcons game, right? And, and then you've got what's, – what's the game after the Falcons game? Buffalo, Thursday Buffalo. night. Oh, yeah, Thursday night. Okay, so – those two games will, I think, tell you a lot about where this team is headed from a record standpoint. And if they get some momentum, maybe they want to add some some insurance, maybe some upgrades. If they split, right, then you're kind of looking like last year where it's like, 
we're a game above 500, we're back at 500, we're below 500, we're back to 500, and you end up with an 8-9 record. So these two next two games will determine a lot about Jason Light and any potential trades, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Next up, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse, our main man. Thank you. $5 Super Chat says, does an improved offensive line improve running back, or does a better running back make the O-line better? Baker was awful, no doubt but he isn't the real problem in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's just a bad game for Baker, and let's see how he bounces back. I mean, you take, again, the Saints game, which was his best game, three touchdowns, one interception, got a lot of a lot of plays, made some, some you know, worked the red zone, right? All three of those touchdowns were, were inside the five-yard line, really working the red zone well. That was his best game. This is his worst game, so let's see how he rebounds against the Falcons. Um I'm a big believer that you have to have a running back that can create on his own. You have to have a running back that has enough speed, tackle breaking ability, or wiggle to get out of a jam. Uh, I think any running back, if you block it perfectly, give him an alleyway, can yeah. pick up yards, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I could do that at 51, probably just a yard or two. And then I would get in the fetal position because I'm too old to get hit. <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, is whether it's a Javante Williams type where – you're a little bit of an angry runner um, or like Rashad Penny, where you've got some like pure speed and acceleration, kind of like Chase Edmonds has to a degree where you're, you're an urgent runner, right? I, I think that the term angry runner gets, gets used a lot because of, of the whole scepter thing with Kyle Brandt and it's fun. Um, and I love angry runners like I, I, uh, Pacheco, right? In Kansas yep. city is one of those, but you can also be an urgent runner, just have that sense of urgency that quick acceleration, and, and I, I just don't see a back that has angry or urgent in terms of, of their their traits on, on this roster right now, unfortunately. So I think they, they need to upgrade at running back. That's been yeah. Jason Light Achilles heel all along. I've said it. I am not a Jason Light uh, you know, uh, butt kisser when it comes to his drafts. I call it like I see it. He has, I think, failed as, as, as a guy stocking this team adequately at the running back position throughout his tenure. I think it's like, you know, when you watch college football, you'll see a lot of big 60-yard runs by the running back. Right. They go untouched into the end zone. Yeah, that's You know why NFL. you don't see that as much in the NFL? Because defenses are good, and it's very difficult yeah. to do that. And a lot of the times, you're going to get most of your yards after contact or yeah. after breaking a tackle at right. the line of scrimmage. And you need those guys that can kind of get that job done. And I don't want to say the jury's still out on Rashad White, but Rashad hasn't been living up to the expectations this is his year-long audition to yeah. prove that he can be rb1 and right now he um hasn't been proving that that he should be the starting guy for seasons to come for yeah. the bucks we got a ten dollar super chat from vise thank you very much vise if you have another comment uh which they do uh yeah. we'll put it up on the screen which scott has and vise says baker isn't a quarterback that can play against better teams it seems he, he he plays terrible against better teams on both occasions. I mean, that's been the case this yeah. season. Yeah. And if you want to look at his overall track record, I guess you could be onto something a little bit. He just had that big win against the Steelers in the playoffs, but that was years ago, how yeah. much that really holds water now. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair point. He's got to play better against the best opponents because, as you said earlier, Scott, you need to have your A game when you play against the best teams in the league. And, those two games, Baker certainly did not have his A, his a game. That's right. The guy that has his A game all the time, folks, is Eric Gross at the Eric, Eric Gross Group uh, Realty. They're the official realtor of Peter Report. And the reason why 
uh, I keep touting Eric uh, is because he does a great job. He has the team in place to help you win in real estate because Eric Gross and the Eric Gross group, they're part of the EXP Realty Group. They have a strong team of vendors and a network of over 85,000 agents across the country. So whether you're moving to Florida from out of state or from the great state of Florida, out of state or around the state of Florida, the Eric Gross Group will turn your dream of buying or selling home into a reality. Their clients are not just transactions. They're lifelong friendships. Eric knows this area like the back of his hand. He's a Tampa native whose father is stationed at the McDill Air Force Base. So you're going to want him on your side. He's the number one draft pick. He's the top free agent that you need to sign. Go to housesinfla.com, housesinfla.com. That's the website. Check out their inventory. It's a great website, awesome layout. No matter where you are on your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome at the Eric Gross Group. That's the official realtor of Peter Report. Again, visit housesinflorida.com. And folks, too, I got to tell you about our friends over at Immuni Financial. That's the official financial company of Peter Report. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Muni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Give them a call at Muni, 1-800-868-6864. That's 1-800-868-6864 anywhere across the United States. Or visit them on the web at Muni.com. And then also, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media. We are at Peter Report on X, Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. Then, of course, our YouTube channel where we have the Peter Report podcast four times a week, along with various other clips. Scott Reynolds with Peter Pulse, my uh, Peter Picks and Props, which, by the way, went to and all my Bucks picks, nine and one on Bucks games this there season. There you go. Uh, that's all on our YouTube channel at Peter Report TV. Please like and subscribe this video. It helps us uh, grow our YouTube yes. channel as Please. we're over uh, 12,200 subscribers yeah. and we're working our way to the big Mike Evans of 13,000. Right. And uh, we'd love to get there sooner rather than later. So, uh, yeah, appreciate all the Peter people. Great turnout today, as always. Hit that like button, like Shaggy says. Yeah, and Shaggy, uh, please email me at sr at peterreport.com and also Paul, uh, aka Florida Dreamhouse. Do the same as well. Email me at srpeterreport.com and I'll get you guys uh, contact information sent over to Celsius and you guys will get your cases of orange Celsius. Thanks for participating last week in our super chat contest for, yeah. right, I should say, drawing uh, for. Um, for those orange cases. And Matt, we'll be back on Wednesday at four o'clock with a big, 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 big game. Bucks, Falcons, all four of the teams in the NFC South lost. So the Bucks didn't lose any ground. But with the win on Sunday at Ray J, Matt, the Buccaneers can gain some ground on the Falcons and the other teams in the NFC South. Exactly. Huge game coming up for the Bucks to stay in first place. Looking forward to breaking down Bucks versus Falcons on Wednesday. But until then, that's going to do it for us on today's show. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you on Wednesday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out.
out.